This is the Golf Life Faith Podcast brought to you by College Golf Fellowship. I'm Toby Ragland, one of your hosts. Another host is Jace Barber, and we are CGF staff members full-time. We love serving the world of college golf, and this podcast is going to be conversations uh, with our PGA Tour partners, with CGF and other partners in the world of golf, and we hope you learn a lot. Uh, We certainly will along the way. Hope you join us for the journey and learn all areas, golf, life, and faith. I have with me today, instead of Toby Ragland, uh, on the show again, Mr. Corky Kemp, who is my boss, uh, CGF legend. If you know CGF, you know Corky. Corky, how's it going? Going great. Thanks, Jace. Absolutely. Uh, and we have an awesome guest today. Uh, played uh, college golf at Liberty. Have known him since then. Uh, he has the best hair in golf by far. And he actually just got his live card. So we have our first live golfer on the Golf Life Faith podcast. Kieran Vincent, how's it going, buddy? How we doing, Jace? Doing good, dude. We're, we're we are so pumped that you're on. Can't wait to hear your story. Uh, I kind of want to start though with you just got your lift card, and it was all over social media. Uh, everybody was following along for the first, you know, kind of lift promotion uh, qualifier, and it came down to the wire. So just talk us through the through those few days, and uh, at the end, you know, playoff to get your card. Yeah, I mean, I probably was as nervous as I am right now. Um, so, <laughs> you know, being on here with Corky, getting told I'm awesome. I mean, jeez, this is pretty. This is pretty special, right here. It is. <laughs> um, but no, obviously, a blessing in so many different ways. I've never walked off a, co- a course being so tired, being so mentally drained, as well as physically drained. Um, I remember the next day, I think I stayed in bed till like 2 p.m. I couldn't get out of bed. I was so tired. Mm. Um, but it was just such an awesome like opportunity. Um, it was actually really, really cool just to have, I actually had my brother's caddy on the bag that week as well. And so just kind of having, having an experienced guy, um, having meeting so many different people because usually Asian tour or the similar tours, I've always known the same guys. So this time I was able to meet some different like people play along some like stiff competition um and obviously was just very very fortunate to come on top at the end of it yes yeah, so just walk us through that like last hole like after you made the putt and you secured it where were the nerves how did you focus in what was the process like on that hole well luckily we played the hole because we entered the playoff so that was like our third third or fourth time playing that hole that day um and so we had a strategy of of trying to lay up just short of the, of the bunker and still give us an opportunity to hit, um, be able to go for the green in two. Um, but actually the last round we went back to a five wood cause I kept pulling it left. I just avoided the, the water on the right. And so, um, a lot of, lot of nerves, um, but was able to kind of put it down there and two, one of the other guys had, um, some trouble coming into that hole. And so once we kind of hit it in the green in two, we just knew that it wasn't necessarily secured, but, it was a huge weight that kind of come off the shoulders and we're just kind of enjoying the moment. Um, not necessarily focusing on what was to come, but just being present in that moment and knowing that everything that was going on there and there that day, the whole four days, the whole week or whatever, all kind of made it worth it knowing that that was the, the final moment essentially. It's a Kieran, you got a, was it about a 10 footer to qualify for live? Tell us through the pre-shot routine, 
What goes through your mind? What's your normal? What were you processing right there before you hit it? Yeah, what were you thinking standing over that ball? I mean, is praying an understatement? <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Spirit was moving right there. <laughs> um, it was, so I actually hit the green in two, um, and it was a slow putt up the hill, and I knew it because in the playoff on the previous hole, the other guy that we're playing with, he left his putt short as well. So I stood up there, and I'm like, well, we got to get this there. And sure enough, I left it 10 foot short. So didn't quite get it then. <laughs> um, so now we have this we have this 10 footer. Um, and luckily, we had a similar putt in the morning that day. And we knew it didn't really break a whole lot. And so it looked a little bit like it was going to break a little bit more than it should. Um, and so when we kind of like lined up on it, uh, me and my caddy had a similar read, which kind of made things a lot easier. Mm. Um, and so it was just kind of, being able to be calm in that moment and just being able to kind of put a good stroke on it. And so I'm trying to be let, well, the most present we could in that moment was the most ideal. Um, but it was pretty hard to, to say the least. Was, uh, was Jacob Fleck, your brother's caddy, was he a comfort for you in that time right then? Absolutely. Um, we'd, I was so nervous about everything that was going on, especially when we, when we got into the playoff, that he pulled me aside um, and actually don't, I think we missed the first guy who teed off. I was last to tee off um, and we missed the first guy because he pulled me aside and he was like, Hey, and I was like, what's up? And he's like quickly. And he like bowed his head and I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, let me pray. And I was like, wow. Like as soon as that happened, um, we prayed. Um, and he's just like, just, just to let you know, like you're not the only person that's like going through it, like a, a difficult situation right now. Like you're not alone. Like I'm here um, and God's here for you. So no matter what goes on, like we're going to be okay. And that was just the, probably the biggest weight I've ever had lifted off my shoulders. I was walking, I was strutting down the fairway. Um, <laughs> actually was talking to Greg Norman while we were walking down the fairway. I was like, what's going on right now? <laughs> so like it was, yeah, it was, it was pretty spectacular to say the least. Well, we definitely want to get back to um, kind of Harare, Zimbabwe, where you grew up. And but first, your brother. I mean, I, know- I don't think anybody you know from your accent would think, oh, you know, he's from America. So, <laughs> okay, so just ten seconds. Tell us kind of where you're from, and then Corky lead us into that question. Yeah. So I born and raised in Harare, Zimbabwe. It's um, a country in the southern part of Africa, bordering with South Africa, which. A lot of people may have heard from similar CGF retreats. I think it's with Wilco. Um, so yeah, it's pretty pretty awesome place, pretty unique place. Um, and yeah, where me and my brother are from. Well, I think for a lot of, I want to talk about your brother too in here a little bit, but we'll go ahead and go back to the homeland. Um, for a lot of us in America, we don't really have a picture of what golf in Africa, much less golf in Zimbabwe, would look like. Is it? A, I know it's a British colony. But how was the golf over there and how was it growing up? Was your dad a pro or how'd you get introduced to the game? So actually me and like our whole family, so I have a, I have a sister that's in between us. We were all very, very sporty. Um, we played anything we could um, from field hockey was a big one in my family. I think at one point in time, my whole family has represented um, Zimbabwe, like the country in field hockey. Wow. which is which is pretty cool um and that was actually my dad's biggest sport that he played he just played golf on saturday after after saturday mornings so that was kind of his thing and so every now and again we would sneak out on the 
in the weekends and, and go play nine with each other, but it wasn't really like a big kind of time sport for really anyone in our family. My, my grandfather, he played a little bit of rugby and kind of played other things. Um, so golf wasn't really necessarily on anyone's radar. Um, I think it was my brother who was, who was the first to take it up. Um, and he, whilst playing other sports, just really kind of fell in love. We had this coach by the name of Roger Bayless, who has coached the likes of Nick Price and uh, Mark KU and kind of traveled the world with um, so many different players that he was so devoted to the game of golf and helping develop players that he took my brother under his wing and kind of used him as not as his prodigy but just kind of saw the talent that my brother had and um and ran with it and so the two of them really grasped an understanding of what golf could do and what where it could take you um and i just watched the amazing places that he went to i'll never forget the one time i think he went to argentina and he came back and he showed me pictures and i'm like man if golf can take me places like that like i'm playing golf <laughs> and so it was yeah, it was kind of one of those realizing moments to um, to see like, well, golf can it can kind of take you places where like travel. And I just love travel. And so it's, it's a no brainer. You're about to travel this year. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. So Scott goes to uh, Virginia Tech. What is what is he about? Five years older than you? Yes, he is. So he goes to Virginia Tech and has a great career there. And uh, you decide to follow his steps to uh, in the state of Virginia. But before that, was there a certain time when you're a teenager where you're like, I'm committed to playing pro golf or did that come later on during college? Um, I think it would probably come later on when I was in college. Um, <laughs> when I was still in high school, I, I wanted to kind of play anything under the sun. Um, still played field hockey, even when I was a senior in high school. Um, and actually if you would have told, if, if you would have pulled me aside as a 15 year old and said, which one do you want to play? probably would have chose field hockey at first. Um, but only did I realize like watching my brother kind of has, have his success in the States and watch him travel a little bit more. I was like, yeah, field hockey may not be able to take me all the places I really wanted to go to. So I was like, let's just go with this golf thing. Um, how did, uh, how did Liberty come about? How did coach Thomas, you know, find the diamond in the rough down there in South Africa? Um, how did you choose Liberty? would love to hear that story. Yeah. Um, JT, um, coach Thomas was, he was awesome. Um, my brother basically not really knowing anything about the recruiting phase, basically just sent me a whole bunch of emails like for coaches and was like, write up, um, of what you've done in your career as a junior, um, how you've played some, some golf already, um, write up everything that you've done and email it to all these different coaches. And I was thinking, man, like, this is an awesome opportunity. I'm going to hear back from the best colleges in the world. And he comes back to me and he's like, by the way, I've left off probably the top 20 like colleges because no offense. He's like, we're probably not going to be able to hear back from those guys. I was like, well, that's just a, it's a spear to the heart right there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we reached out to a bunch of different coaches um, and of, I probably sent about 80 something emails. And of those 80 something emails, I probably heard back from about about 12 to 15 college coaches and of those 12 to 15 college coaches I probably had like six or seven no's and I was like well this ain't looking too good but the ones that did say yes there was a there was a bunch that were that were interested um and yeah it just kind of came about when 
I came to the States and played the junior orange ball, played a tournament out here. I was able to meet um, coach Thomas, see the facilities um, and just kind of understand a bit of, you know, what Liberty stood for kind of helped the decision. Mm -hmm. And they've got a beautiful range up on top of the mountain there. It's pretty impressive campus. And so I think I met you, uh, your first tournament at Liberty, you're playing Duke at Duke. And uh, you go on to beat Will Zaltoris head-to-head matchup in the final round, and uh, get a get a dub for your first college victory, first tournament. Um, did that kind of show you anything as far as how good you could be, or did you already have that inner confidence? Did you believe that beforehand, or would that win at Duke do for you as a freshman? Um, I think it really just kind of made. It was a tough one. I think it just really. Um it gave me way too much confidence way too early. I thought, um, I thought I was a big shot. I thought I was God's gift to mankind all of a sudden after winning once. Um, and obviously it was just, it was cool to have that, that duel against Will, um, coming down the stretch there and, um, at Duke, um, in my first college event, like it, I couldn't have scripted any better, but I think from that grew some probably, bad thought processes for the next couple of months and um the true college adapting phase really took place after that Mm -hmm. and i think it really beat it out of me and so it was it was a definitely a challenging challenging time but you know in that moment it was it was a sweet victory sweet time um but i think what came from that was a good and much much needed learning curve Mm -hmm. what part did uh Jeff Thomas and your teammates and Liberty as a whole kind of helped shape you after you got a little cocky, a little puffed up as a freshman and just in general, how'd they help shape you in college? Yeah, I was very fortunate enough that um, once I left the dorm um, of freshman year, I transitioned into a house um, off campus and the people that I surrounded myself, there were some awesome peers. Um, that were on fire for, for Jesus. One of my roommates was who is now, who did study back then, um, to, um, in youth and youth, uh, ministry, um, and is now a, he's working in the youth, not too, not too far from here. Um, and just, he had such an impact, not only on my life, but on so many lives around us by just kind of not only keeping us accountable, but, um, checking in with us on a regular basis. And so that ripple effect of, you know, what one person can do um, really took fold because sooner or later there wasn't just one person that was checking with me. There was there was others, and they weren't just interested on in how my golf was doing. They were interested in how I was doing as an individual. And so definitely the peers side of it, um, and not only that, but also Coach Thomas, he pulled me aside very more than once, and even when I was struggling, and said, man, I've got faith in you. Like, don't worry about the scores. Don't worry about what's going on. Like, like you do the practice that you need to do and like, we'll get ready for the next tournament together essentially. And, you know, we've maintained such a good relationship, even though I've left, been out of college for a couple of months now that it's so refreshing to know that, um, coach didn't really just see us as numbers. He saw us um, as individuals too. And so, um, you know, being, being at Liberty, we, we do some unique things like sitting down, you know, praying together before practices or, you know, having a, um, like a call it like a team kind of chaplain that you know looked after us you know that stuff is is so unique to liberty um what kind of made us you know 
less is an, less is an I and more is a we as a team kind of um, aspect. And so that definitely helped and shape, um, shape me. Mm-hmm. And something I've always admired about you, Kieran, not only were you being poured into, but I know you took some leadership and um, kind of started a team and other athletes studied there on campus. And that was um, admirable. And I think there's some good fruit from that. I know uh, your buddy that's playing in Asia. Um, remind me of his name. That was only Ian? Oh, uh, no, Irvin. Irvin, Irvin, Irvin. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was influenced for sure. But let's push rewind real quick and going back to Zimbabwe, what kind of faith background were you raised in and, and how'd that treat you? Yeah, we, um, my early knowledge of, of going to church, we would, we actually started off in a Presbyterian church, um, local church that wasn't too far from where we actually lived. Um, my mom enrolled in a Bible study um, on a regular basis with a couple of ladies there. And, um, you know, we were definitely involved and in, in incorporated in a spiritual setting from the get-go. We had um, a daily prayer routine. Um, I'm trying to think of the prayer that we actually used to, like, recite every single time we sat, we sat down to eat. Um, actually can't remember it now. But it was it was such a cool environment that we, um, a safe environment, to say the least, where, you know, we could be open, um, we could talk over a bunch of things. And, you know, I grew up with um, a lot of... Um, biblical knowledge um as a kid um and so i was very very fortunate with um you know a solid group of parents that really looked after me nice and then i think for everybody we see this a lot uh, with college golf fellowship at some level everybody's got to get to the point where it goes from being mom and dad or you know my family to to it's my faith and taking ownership of the faith and so at what point kind of in your growth process would you say it went from like a head knowledge to heart knowledge or that you kind of really owned um your own faith and it wasn't just your family yeah that that probably well actually did happen when i when i got to college um liberty was a very very good decision for me um and that's has a lot to do with the people um, around me and so just as we see how Christ was very involved with his relationships. Um, he definitely instilled and looked after me with the relationships that I had with the people around me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think you're wise for choosing Liberty. I think it's a great spot. <laughs> and I know we've stayed in touch uh, since college and we have a, you know, you kind of invited me in as, as part of your, your team, which has been a fun ride. And uh, it's really neat to see you take some leadership on the, uh, the Asian tour. But, um, before we get there, turn in pro. So you, you're all American at Liberty, have a good college career. You turn pro and what you start off a little bit and then Canada and then over to Asia. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. that's correct. And then how'd it go with the, um, did you have, um, you know, club sponsors, you have sponsors, did your brother help you along the way with that? Or how did you manage the finances of turn pro? Cause it's not a cheap endeavor. No. Yeah, no, Turning Pro was um, definitely something on my radar when I first, you know, started, but I never really, I kind of got thrown into it, but luckily I had my brother there who kind of navigated a little bit for me, but he probably did the right thing and didn't really give me all the answers I needed, but kind of directed some questions back to me of like, like, do we need to do that? Or is that something you need to do? Make sure you plan way in advance. There's some things that you don't really think of because you come from a college golf environment where 
you just basically get handed a, a plane ticket and get told, hey, I need you to be at the bus at this time. Don't be late. Um, and so now to go um, around like planning all your stuff and make sure you got, you know, everything all organized for the event um, was something unique. But I was also very lucky enough to have another college buddy who was out there with me in Canada. So we started off in Canada. Um, I was lucky to sign con- a contract out of, out of college with a club sponsor. Um, and so that helped cover some expenses. Um, and me and my buddy navigated the Canadian tour together, which was an awesomely wild time. It was, <laughs> it was something. I mean, we did some road tripping in a car that probably haven't put that many miles in a car before ever. So, <laughs> um, but it was, it was so much fun. We learned and grow together and just, you know, dialed in how important routines are. Um, and so when I got over to, to the Asian tour, um, it was a necessary learning curve for me to have played on the Canadian tour. So that when I arrived in, in Asia, um, it was, nothing was really too new to me other than the experiences and the places that I went to. Mm. And so funny story, as you ask about, um, did, were there finances that helped? Um, I was lucky enough to get two sponsors invitations, um, made it actually a third, um, out in Asia because I played the first tournament and got through or played okay, but there wasn't any sight of another sponsor's invitation. And so the second sponsor's invitation I got through to my brother unknowingly to me paid for my affiliate fee. Um, and in doing so, essentially it helped me get my Asian tour card um, because I played, I, I earned enough money to receive my Asian tour card from that year and basically pave the way for what has happened in my career today. Wow. So. That's so cool. Um, and I want to come back to that, but before we do, you know, we talked about, you know, your faith and your parents growing up and then go to Liberty. And then they even, you were talking about travel, but even faith, they kind of build that into your schedule. Um, so when you go to Canada and Asia, what, what does that look like for you and walking with the Lord and traveling, but making that a priority? Um, so what does that look like out on Canada, your own personal life? How's that, how'd that work out? Well, shout out to CGF Golf. Oh, um, CGF for that one. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was Tuesday nights. Um, we had, it was Rosson. trying to think who else came out. I think Jay was that, that first year. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You are correct. And so the two of them kind of bounced off um, different weeks. They came out. And so it was just probably some of the best times I've had. Like, it was so cool to just know that no matter what we had going on that week, no matter where we were, um, there was a solid of ensuring that we met on a Tuesday night. um, And there was a safe space to kind of open our Bible and kind of talk to each other um, and pray over each other and be with each other. Um, And so, so unique. Um, but that also kind of opened an avenue to like meet new people and meet new friends. Um, that kind of opened that avenue of like, Hey, we got some other guys to play practice rounds or, you know, Mm -hmm. sitting down, um, eating a meal and all of a sudden like, Hey, there's other guys that we saw on a Tuesday night. And like, all of a sudden, like the people that you knew grew because they knew people. And all of a sudden, like, you know, within a couple of weeks, you basically know the whole of the Canadian tour because it's the same kind of guys who are traveling week in, week out. And so 
that Tuesday night was so instrumental because of what we were able um, mm -hmm. to achieve um, both as a core group of Christians, but also bringing other people outsiders in um, and giving them a safe space, even if um, it was just a, a very nice like cooked meal. So it was, it was an awesome time. And when I went to Asian tour, it was a little different because a lot of the stuff was new to me. Um, and I was actually, you know, interested in to see what, who were believers and, and what it looked like. And it actually took me a while to figure out who was a believer and what they did and who they were. And so I was lucky enough to travel with a, with a friend of mine who was my caddy at the time, um, who was a believer. And so we were able to share meals, um, and kind of speak over some things that we were going through and just kind of have some open conversations. And surely throughout the year, um, more and more people, not only heard of us, but we kind of opened ourselves up and, and spoke to more people. And so, um, you know, all of a sudden meals weren't just two of us anymore. It became five, six, seven of us. Um, and, you know, sometimes we were able to, to share the gospel because there was some pretty unique people that, you know, were on fire for Jesus even more than I was at that time. And so it was a unique place. Yeah, I remember talking to you before you started your first Asian tour study and uh, I think, or maybe right after, and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm younger than a lot of these people. I'm kind of scared, but I'm just going to go for it. You know, yeah. like Lord blessed it. And I think you got what, four, uh, four foundation studies in. Um, mm -hmm. or something like that. So, um, and it's just neat too. I know, you know, your brother was involved with uh, CGF. He helped out at the Webb Simpson challenge when he was in college. And just to have kind of a older brother that's not only going to help you out, you know, financially with a pretty sweet gift with the Asian tour um, membership fee, but also just kind of keep on pouring into you and guiding you. So, yeah, sweet brotherhood right there. I know uh, from back to the Canadian tour, and JC, you probably know Alexander Fuchs, and I heard that he, he's Frenchman, went to Liberty, um, played the Canadian tour, but he's come to faith in Christ, which is a celebration in itself. So. Mm -hmm. That's good stuff. So we got here. You are you're you're about to embark on your rookie season on the live tour. You got a few reps in. Tell the audience kind of how you played a few uh, a few rounds on the live tour last year. Yeah, um, was very fortunate enough after a victory in Vietnam um, on the international series. So live an Asian tour, live in the um, international series. Have teamed up and they it's the kind of the avenue of for a player to make it over across the live tour um before well i guess now obviously we have the the live playoff or the live um i guess q school you can call it um it's um yeah the international series was kind of my my way um i was able to make that victory and i found myself inside the top three on the international series order of merit and the top three they have three reserves um which travel for the live and so I um, was able to, you know, venture out and travel a little bit with some of the guys, um, including my brother, who was also playing on live. And so I think it was about my third event I actually went to. I found ourselves in Washington, D.C. at um, Trump, the Trump course up in D.C. And I'll never forget the phone call. Um, so you, as a reserve, you kind of always want to be prepared and ready to go. And so you would go out there as if you were practicing, like you were going to warm up with the hope that you were going to get a phone call at any time. But more often than not, obviously 
you didn't get it. And so I remember, I'll never forget, I was on the on the chipping green and I actually had that buddy that you spoke about, Alex Fuchs, who um, was on the bag for me that week. And I gave him my phone because he was going to sort out something because I usually have it in my pocket. And he was holding to my phone and he um, he said, there's some weird number that's trying to get a hold of you. Like, 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 do you want to answer it? And I'm like, where's it from? Like, where's the area code? And he's like, I don't know. Like, I think it's like an English number. And I'm like, well, just like, we'll sort it after we get done, like practicing. Like, let's just focus on for the next, we've got like 40 minutes to go before we tee off. Like, well, the, someone like they tee off, like, let's just like do it afterwards. And the, again, the guy calls again and he answers the phone and I, I'll never forget. And I'm like, like, why is he answering my phone? Like, this is, like, this is random. Like, like put down my phone, please. And, um, he like hands me the phone and he's like, like, I can't understand the guy. I think he says his name's Matt or something like that. And he just hands me the phone. I'm like, okay, well, this is awkward. So I pick up the call and the players relation guy was on the other side. And he's like, Hey, this is Max. Just to let you know, like one of the guys on team smash pulled out. Um, like, are you able to play today? And I like froze for a moment. And I was like, I think I'm going to say yes to this. Like, <laughs> I'm not too sure what I'm going to say. So <laughs> I, um, I was like, yeah, of course, like, I'm, I'm ready, whatever. So he's like, all right, well, you're being Team Smash, like, just a heads up, like, you're going to be off for the next 40 minutes. And my head spiraled. I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, this is actually happening. Um, because it was in, it was in D.C., um, I had a bunch of my um, friends that traveled up from, like, Virginia area that traveled all the way up there to D.C. And so I'm now walking, because you were in the ropes, like, practicing and getting ready. Now I'm inside and for some reason, they'd already like heard of the news that I'm playing. So as I'm walking up the like the tunnel, essentially up into the practice area, my friends are going crazy. They're going nuts. <laughs> and the first person essentially that I see um, at the end of the tunnel was Brooks because I, I joined Team Smash. And he was like, hey, did you get the call? Like, welcome to the team. Like, this is going to be awesome. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, wow. Like, I like I don't know if I should practice here. Like, where should I go? Like, what am I doing? Um, and so managed to play the final two rounds um, with Team Smash. Had an awesome time out in, at Trump DC there. A um, couple of friends were out there, which made it even like more special. Like It was just just an event that I, I couldn't put to, um, you know, to say that you know, I had any control over that. Like It was awesome. Um, and even when we were leaving the range, like I left the range like, um, at the same time as my brother, and so we basically like arm in arm, like walking down the tunnel, like, like he's like telling me, Hey, like you deserve this. Like, just go out there and have some fun. Like, don't matter, don't matter what like goes on. Just, just go out there and do your best you can. And so again, like things that you can't really script up, like we didn't plan to walk off at the same time. Like it just kind of happened. And so unreal. I get goosebumps just hearing that Kieran. <laughs> well, to go from, I guess, you know, that tournament you won in Vietnam, your brother had won the year before and then is that did uh Jacob Fleck caddy for you in that Vietnam tournament or just the live qualifier? No, just the live qualifier, okay. yeah. But to have won the same brother the same tournament your brother won and then to get on live tour so quick, it's almost been a fairy tale pro career so far. So to, to say the least. But going back to Jace's question, Jace said asked a great question. What about um kind of individually, personally, like you're traveling the world I just talked to a uh, drew love and he said playing the Asian tour was just, he felt, you know, extremely lonely out there. So kind of what does it look like for you on a daily, on a weekly basis, as far as like connecting with God and keeping the, you know, coals of your faith burning and not just getting caught up in the travel and the, 
the fame and the money and, and things of that nature. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it goes back to that that answer that I gave a little bit earlier of, of like figuring out that discipline or that routine. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you can, you know, give gas your first fruits, um, like first thing in the morning, I think that's just, it sets up the day, um, you know, better than really anything else. I think it's, it's so easy to get caught up in tea times and, and what's going on. And it's still something that I struggle with on a, on a day to day, on a weekly basis, whenever I'm traveling, cause it's, you know, you got an early tea off time and all of a sudden, like, like, should I wake up an extra 30 minutes before so I can like read or something like that? It's, you know, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer, but, and I don't know what the correct answer is, but I do know that, you know, the times that you spend in the morning, um, praying, um, and, you know, opening up God's word are probably some of the most influential times that you'll have it kind of sets the foundation throughout the, the week. And so actually being on the Asian tour, um, I met this lovely family, um, this couple, um, husband and wife named the Krugers, JB Kruger and his wife, Denise. And no matter what time of day they are teeing off, they will religiously get in the word together, um, for close to 45 minutes to an hour before they go like and play. So there were some times that they were waking up at three o'clock in the morning to get in, like in God's word. And that was just such a like realizing moment of like, cause I never really do did that. Like whenever I was traveling, it was like, Hey, uh, if it's a, if it's morning tea time, I am reading in the afternoon. And if it's uh, an afternoon tea of time, I'll read in the morning. But you know, these, this couple, they just, they just did it religiously every single morning. And so it just kind of set a foundation of like, wow, like, you know, they, you know, going back to the first fruits, like that is just so powerful. And so like realizing and just, understanding that it can be done because there are people who are, you know, maybe even doors down from you that are doing it. And so it was awesome. Mm-hmm. That's good. Well, look, looking forward to this year on the live tour. Are you, uh, are you somebody who sets goals or just goes about it day by day and see, see what's in store? Or what are some of your dreams for, for this year on the live? Yeah, I think goals have been set. Um, Obviously, it's a it's a new environment. Um, there's going to be some adjusting phases that are going to happen, um, but I don't discredit the fact that the team that I have been fortunate to build around me um, have poured into me and put in such a, such a lot of hard work um, that I don't doubt that you know there's some some things that we can go out there and achieve uh, this year. And so we're going to kind of essentially do the best we can. Um, try be more present. Um, try get in the word. That's been the biggest kind of goal, um, actually going through the Bible in a year and like a full year program. Um, and so that's, I've actually never done it before. So I thought it would be kind of a unique, unique year to kind of do that. So excited for that. Um, got to do some catching up for that, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, it just definitely, um, definitely think it'll be a, a pretty cool, pretty goal, pretty cool goal to get through. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's exactly- and I love yeah. that Corey asked, asked yeah. about your goals for live and you went to read in the Bible in a year. Um, <laughs> I love that. Um, because when you're surrounded by, uh, fame and money and success and opportunity, it's so easy to just get caught up in it. And the only way to not get caught up in it is to be grounded in God's word and to abide in him. And so I hope listeners that as you hear this, in your own walks and in your own job and in your own success, your own life, 
you realize that even Kieran, who has an insane opportunity, like what you have in front of you is incredible. Um, but there's nothing more important than relationship with the Lord and time in his word and time praying with them. Um, and those two things work together. The better, the more time you spend in God's word, the more time you're going to pray. And the more time you pray, the more time you're going to spend in God's word. Um, so that's just exciting to hear. And I hope that's encouraging to those that are listening. Amen. Real quick, Kieran, what uh, you're going to be, you'll be on John Rom's team, number one, playing the world in the last few years. Um, you look forward to learning from him, or do you already know John, or is that going to be a new acquaintance? Um, yeah, it's going to be. I met him for the first time a couple of when did I meet him? A couple of weeks ago. So that's yeah, new kind of relationship that we've kind of garnered. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be a exciting time because I think there's so much to learn from such a an important person like that. I think he's, you know, he's obviously been able to do so much with his career at such a young age. Like, I think the first time I met him, I realized, you know, I was basically almost like trying to walk around on eggshells, be like calling him, sir, like make sure, you know, I'm, I'm polite with everything. And then I started chatting with him and the more I realized like, man, he's only, you know, a couple of years older than me. Um, you know, he's still young at heart and you can still kind of see the, the boisterous, you know, the, and enjoyment phase in, in his life is still there. And so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Jason, I love the point you just made. And even though all this phenomenal things are going around here and just the fact that he's focused on the word of God and keeping that relationship with, with him first and foremost is really going to keep you grounded. And, you know, who knows what the Lord has in store. But the main thing is, you know, you've got a savior that's already given his life for you and there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's purely by faith that we saved in Christ and that you have that opportunity to grow that relationship and then be a light and then to, to kind of share that with others. is pretty exciting, Kieran. So Thanks. I know, Jace, you have any other final questions before the, uh, the, the quick, the quick questions you normally do? Yeah. So we're going to do some rapid fire, Kieran, but what I want to oh. do is I want to circle back all the way to the beginning of our, our conversation. And if you could go back to that freshman that just wanted Duke and was on top of the world, thought he had it all figured out and you could say, one or two things to him what would you go back and say to him knowing what you know now um that's that's a tough question <laughs> i think i'd go around and, and push him around and tell him to be <laughs> quiet and not really say a whole lot um i mean it's crazy because you look at you look at what's happened now and you look at the past and nothing, I think not saying nothing would have happened because God can, can work in ways that we can't, you know, even think about. Um, but I think it was such a learning curve for me, um, of what happened back then that I don't think I probably would have garnered what has happened today if it wasn't for what happened back then. So I think some, sometimes, you know, we've got to go through learning curves to, to realize that there is, bigger and better things on the other side of it um, that we don't really understand. And so um, to go back and say I would change something, yeah, I think I would change, you know, being more grounded, being more rooted, probably even, you know, trying to figure out God for who he is, um, not for what he can do for me um, at an earlier phase, um, but really kind of just, um, yeah, I think just understanding that, you know, trials and tribulations happen. Um, and I think we've got to go through them to to become a better version of who God intended us to be rather than just go through always the highs at every point in time. 
Mm. Those are some wise words there, Kieran. Good job, Kieran. Yep. You, well, you took because you got you guys sent me the script beforehand. I mean, it's an easy script to read <laughs> off. Eh? <laughs> no, that's so good. And I mean, I think everybody can relate. You look back in your life, or at least believers walking with the Lord, you can look back and say, "Yeah, I'd like to change that," but because of what the Lord did there, it's it's brought me and sanctified me into who I am now. Absolutely. And that's a beautiful thing. Like, that's a hopeful thing that we have in Christ. To those who are not in Christ, if you're not in Christ, you're listening to that. It may sound uh, odd or out there. But it's a hope that we have because we have a God who is shaping us to be more like him. And he's using the highs, he's using the lows, and it's beautiful to see what he's done in your life to bring you from that little freshman to who you are now. It's pretty awesome. So, mm-hmm. All right, so rapid fires. We've got a few. They're pretty common. Toby generally does them, so he's got them locked down, but I think I remember them. So uh, first one is favorite meal of the day, breakfast, lunch, dinner breakfast you break from the fast so you got to do it properly you know you got to go all out all right so what is that ideal perfect breakfast i mean if we're going to be specific i mean i guess we'll go scrambled eggs um bacon sweet potatoes love some sweet potatoes in the morning um a avocado and some fruit with that Nice. That is a nice, fully rounded meal. Uh, next question. This one's not a normal one, but what is your favorite memory from college golf? Just comes to your mind, favorite memory. It doesn't have to be a win or a shot. It could be, or it could just be a time with your team. What is it? Actually, funny enough, we were looking at videos the other day because um, I'm back pretty close to where, where I went to school. Um, and we're on the range and we're trying to, we're doing basically like long drive swings and we're trying to see how fast we get our ball speed to. And we set goals for each other and we're on the range. And I mean, when I, we're in a huddle, like basically like chanting, like we're at a, like a football game or a soccer game or anything like that. And we're just watching like guys like go after, go after, and we're getting hyper and hyper until like someone reaches it. And eventually we just chase them like around the whole facility, like throwing them up and down. That was probably <laughs> one of my favorite like all time um, college moments. I thought that was some of the best times we've ever had. That's awesome. Um, okay. So if you could hop on a private jet right now and go play a, any golf course in the entire world, uh, what golf course would it be? I would say probably Augusta. I mean, yeah, kind of be a cool one. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Okay. And then alongside that, kind of like one B is who would be the the three others for it to complete your foursome that you would take, dead or alive? Who the to play Augusta? Yeah. Yeah. Who are you taking oh. with you? Anybody? Yes would have to be my family you gotta have some family time you gotta enjoy it with you know people oh that's so good all right corky any uh last second rapid fires that you can think of uh just when he's talking about um speed i know you've this is a what's your swing speed right now corky i mean are we saying it for the fans or are we saying it for who you know (laughs) all you got your highest ever what's your record mile per hour swing speed well, what's Jace's? Because I just got to make sure I'm just one above that. It's not going to be. Pretty fast, I'll be honest. Ball speed, I've got up to 192. And clubbed oh. speed, I actually don't really know. We don't really, we use GC quad, so we kind of track more ball stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I get in, I've gotten up into the 
high 20s, maybe early 30s. I'm not too sure about that. So. Yeah, that's that pretty good for a guy who's – how much do you weigh? 160 pounds. Nice. Man, incredible. That's soaking wet if I'm lucky. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that's good, Jason. Yeah. So Karen, thank you so much for being on. Thanks for just kind of sharing your heart and sharing your story. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, Corky, thanks so much for also joining and doing a great job. Uh, everybody follow along with Karen and his career. Uh, when's your, when's your first tournament? When you, you start in a couple weeks or a week? Is that right? Actually next, next week. Yeah. Head out to Mexico next week. So I'm excited for that. My October. Awesome. Well, we're going to release this episode in the next couple of days and people are going to be able to follow along next week and reach root and cheer you on. So Karen, thanks so much. Everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the golf life faith podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGFTweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.